Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines on the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Pope Francis is defending one of his predecessors amid questions about a missing girl. I express a grateful thought to the memory of St. John Paul, who in these days has been the object of offensive and unfounded insinuations. Pope Francis has publicly denounced allegations made against John Paul II on Italian television last week by Pietro Orlandi the brother of Emanuela Orlandi, whose mysterious disappearance from the Vatican in 1983, when she was just 15, inspired Vatican Girl, a documentary series on Netflix. German priest Father Hans Zollner left the Vatican's Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. In a statement, he explains there was a lack of transparency in the commission's work. Hans Zollner, a German Jesuit priest and the leading expert on sexual abuse in the Vatican, gave a press conference in Rome this Monday to explain his surprise decision to resign from the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors after 10 years of service. I'm Ricardo de Silva, and this is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from a slightly colder than it has been in the past few days, New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from the ever-changing climate of Rome. We've had nice sun in the morning. We now have rain. So, Jerry, let's move to our first story. Pope Francis has defended Pope John Paul II against what he said were offensive and baseless allegations made against the Saint Pope on Italian television last week by Pietro Orlandi, the brother of Emanuela Orlandi, who is the 15-year-old girl that went missing from the Vatican on June 22, 1983. Mr. Orlandi, speaking on an Italian TV program, said that he had learned from a source that, quote, John Paul II sometimes went out at night with two Polish monsignors, and he clearly did not go out to bless houses, end quote. His comments have been taken to imply that the late Pope was out sexually grooming young women at night. His comments to the media immediately followed a lengthy meeting earlier that day with Alessandro Didi, the Vatican's chief prosecutor, after Pope Francis made clear that he wants to solve the case of Miss Orlandi, who would have been 55 this year. Jerry, you and Colleen discussed Miss Orlandi's case when it came to the fore last year in the Netflix documentary series, Vatican Girl. And we'll link to that in the show notes. But can you remind us of the key facts? 40 years ago, this young woman, 15-year-old, whose father was employed in the Vatican, she went for a music class near Piazza Navona, near where now is the Opus Dei University, Santa Croce. When she'd finished her class, she came out and she disappeared. 
And uh, there have been lots of theories as what happened. Every attempt was made to try and find her. At that time, you remember the attempted assassination of John Paul II in 1981. And so this, the Ali Akcha, his would-be killer, was in prison. And there was a suggestion that maybe her kidnapping or disappearance was linked to try to get Ali Akcha out of prison. There was other suggestions that criminal gangs were involved. There have been many theories. What has happened since the release of the documentary? There's always been suggestions. The Vatican was keeping some information, what is not revealing to the Italian state, which carried out the investigation originally, the Rome prosecutors. And the whole story was, or the insinuations, continual insinuations, was the Vatican is holding back, it's covering up, it's protecting somebody. They know more than they are saying. The Vatican has said we have cooperated, we've given everything. Pope Francis said, I want the Vatican prosecutors to, the Vatican judicial system to deal with this. And so the prosecutor has opened the investigation. And the brother welcomed it. And he said, finally, after 40 years, he's now around 60. And Manuela Orlandi would have been 55 at this stage. And I mean, Mr. Didi said that Pope Francis has an iron will to get to the bottom of this case. Yes, he said you go 360 degrees to to get to it. Francis, remember, already gave permission for them to open tombs in the Teutonic Cemetery within the Vatican. That's right beside St. Peter's because there was suggestion the body could have been buried there and they opened up and they looked at various uh, remains of bones of people, etc. And they concluded, no, her body was not there. Uh, but so Francis is really... He wants the Vatican to come out clean on this, that there, there is no stone unturned within the Vatican on this question. And so on the 11th of April, the prosecutor took testimony from the brother, Pietro, and from the lawyer. Following that meeting with Alessandro Didi, the Vatican's chief prosecutor, last Tuesday, Mr. Orlandi went on an Italian TV program where he made these, what the Pope said, were baseless accusations against John Paul II. Can you give us the context for what happened there? He and his lawyer went on the television, on La Sette, in this Channel 7, as it were. And he, he said they were discussing all the various aspects of the case. And at one stage he said, and it was it is said, in other words, somebody had said to him, that Pope John Paul II would go out at nights, sometimes, with two Monsignors, and the implication was that they were looking for girls. By which we mean sexually grooming young girls. Well, they didn't use that language. But on the same program, they had a recording from a member of a criminal gang, the Maliana gang, where spoke about that there could be Vatican brothers, etc., involved in the abuse of girls. What have been the reactions to Mr. Orlandi's interview on Italian television? These kind of allegations have been going around in Italy. But the first real strong reaction came from Pope John Paul II's longtime secretary, Cardinal Stanislaw Dziewicz, in Poland, in Krakow. He's now retired. Uh, he came out hitting very hard and saying one thing. He said, yes, a young girl had disappeared and this is a crime. But it's also a crime basically to smear the name, the good name of people, which people have honored and respected. 
This is because Mr. Orlandi made this allegation and then he didn't attribute it to a source and he hasn't disclosed the source to Vatican investigators. Yes, he was attributing this to an anonymous source. Following on Cardinal Givich's strong intervention, the Vatican felt they had to do something. So the Osservatore Roman, the Vatican Daily, carried an article from the editorial director of Vatican Media, Andrea Tornelli, which said there's, you know, there's no foundations, there's no clues, there's no evidence. Uh, this is baseless. This is without foundation. And then the following day, that was the on the Friday, on the Saturday, the, the prosecutor asked to speak to the lawyer and to Pietro Orlandi, and they, the lawyer wanted names. You know, you're making this insinuation, inference, allegation, call it what you will. But Mr. Orlandi has also refused to name this anonymous source, right? They've refused to name it. And this frustrated the prosecutor. He said in an interview with an Italian paper, he said they've been pressing, pressing for the opening of the investigation in the Vatican. Now we open it and they don't want to contribute the information they have. The implication was that this risked really not just eclipsing the, the case, but torpedoing the process. Because if they're not going to cooperate with the investigators, where is it going to go? Do Mr. Orlandi's comments jeopardize the Vatican's judicial investigation? If the brother and the lawyer do not make all the information that they have, including the sources of the insinuations, allegations, available to the prosecutor, how can the prosecutor move forward? Now, the brother said, through the lawyer, he never accused John Paul II of these attempts at going out after girls. He, he said he never said this. He denied flatly that he had said this. He said, I was quoting things that were said to us. The, the prosecutor says this is a break on the investigation, stopping the investigation. And so we have to see what's the next stage of it. it it's an ongoing story. There's a lot of public interest in it. At the same time, Mr. Orlandi's comments have now implicated the memory of the much-revered late Pope St. John Paul II. Pope Francis on Sunday came out and said, today is Divine Mercy Sunday. He saw in St. Peter's Square lots of Polish people with the Polish flag. He recognized the Polish presence in the square, 20,000 people in the square. And he said, I want to cast a thought with gratitude to the memory of John Paul II, whose person in recent days has been the object of offensive and baseless insinuations or allegations or inferences, whatever way you trans translate the Italian word. And this drew a big applause from the people in the square. And then the Italian Bishops' Conference came out afterwards and said something similar. So there was an immediate reaction of defense of John Paul II, and the Pope's words were greatly appreciated. We all pay attention to the story and the developments as we move forward with this investigation. Hopefully that this will indeed be a hiccup and not a break, as has been suggested. We'll take a break now, and when we return, we'll discuss the resignation of Hans Zollner from the Vatican's Abuse Safeguarding Commission.
Hans Zollner, the German Jesuit priest who is the most recognizable authority on dealing with the scourge of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, resigned suddenly from the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors last month. Father Zollner said his resignation was necessary because of shortcomings on, quote, responsibility, compliance, accountability, and transparency within the commission. While his decision was applauded by many as a courageous act, the reasons for his resignation surprised U.S. Cardinal Sean O'Malley, the commission's head, who told the media, quote, I am surprised, disappointed, and strongly disagree with Father Zollner's publicly issued assertions challenging the commission's effectiveness. On Monday, Father Zollner gave a press conference to set the record straight on his resignation, and Jerry was there. Jerry, just remind us, who is Father Hans Zollner, and what is his involvement with the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors? Father Hans Zollner was a professor of psychology and other subjects at the Gregorian University. He was also at one stage vice dean of the university in, in terms of the theology. He, in 2011-2012, first held a meeting in Rome that brought together a lot of the people involved in combating the abuse. And that was the first conference. This was before the commission. With the support of the Gregorian University, they really pioneered in this field. They set up an institute for the protection of minors which was headed by Hans Zollner. When Pope Francis was elected in 2013, he immediately saw that this was one of the problems that he would face in his pontificate. How to protect minors, how to combat the abuse, how to deal with the abuse scandal in the church. Right at the beginning of his pontificate, he created a, a council of cardinals, to help him. And one of those cardinals was Cardinal Sean O'Malley from Boston, who had a very fine track record. And one of the suggestions that he made was that maybe there should be a commission to protect children for the protection of minors. And in 2014, I think in March, Pope Francis established this commission for the protection of minors. And he appointed men and women to the commission, including victims. And Hans Zollner was one of the members of that commission from day one. And he played a major role. And he was, the commission had worked, created working groups. And he was heading one of the working groups on the education and the formation of people to protect minors. And he traveled the world. And for nine years, he has been on this commission. Father Zollner's resignation is only the latest in a series of resignations from the commission, some quite high profile like Maria Collins, others resigned very quietly. And in fact, Miss Collins was one of the first to resign from this commission. When she resigned, she said, the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors, of which I was a member, quote, has achieved little practical change so far. Accountability, tribunal and safeguarding guidelines rejected by the Curia what will be done by the Commission now to ensure that these two priorities are not allowed to lie where they have fallen? And of course, Father Zollner's resignation, coming almost six years down the line, adds to the sadness of that former resignation. It looks like things have not changed at the Pontifical Commission. So, Jerry, you were at the press conference on Monday in Rome where 
Father Zollner explained the decisions for his resignation because he had been receiving so many requests from the media for clarification. And so he decided to give this press conference to explain why it is that he resigned and also to explain that he hadn't directed his comments specifically at any person within the commission because clearly there had been hurt caused, as we saw expressed in the comment by Cardinal O'Malley, who found Father Zollner's reasons for his resignation surprising. Yes. One of the first questions was asked of Father Zollner at the press conference, why did you call a press conference? And he said, I didn't call the press conference. I was invited to the Foreign Press Club, which is not at the Vatican, it's the Foreign Press in Italy, in Rome. He said, and I accepted because I had received so many invitations for individual interviews that I just could not deal with them. So I accepted so that I could answer all the questions at one go. There was no polemic coming through from Zollner, and he wasn't pointing the finger at anybody. He wanted to point to the problems. The press conference lasted just about one hour. There were a lot of media from different countries. And he began with a statement explaining that it had been a cause of great internal tension, suffering for him to actually resign from the commission on which he had been for nine years. He said, I had internal tensions. He said, I asked myself, am I going to hurt the Pope who set up this commission? Then he traced, he said, why did I reach this point? He explained that over recent years especially, he had seen a lot of problems in the commission, in how it was functioning, how it's working. Father Zollner went on to elaborate the commission's shortcomings in the press conference. He organized them in three areas, compliance, transparency, accountability. What did he say about each of these? He said those three elements are fundamental in the life of the church, but also in the life of the commission. He said on compliance, the members of the commission now, he's talking about the recent membership, are not sure what their task is. They're not sure who are they're responding to. They're not sure how they link to the other parts of it. He said, without such clarity, you cannot have compliance because you have standards, you have rules, you have regulations. And if these are not clear, we can't really make headway. Secondly, he said, there's a pro- problem with transparency too. On the question of nominations, he says, how are the members nominated at the committee? And he gave an example. He said that there was a selection committee of four people who were to choose the names of the members and then propose them to the Pope. Of course, the Pope appoints in the end. And he said, uh, we found it very strange that the selection committee of four members appointed one of its own members as a member of the commission. He said, maybe there were good reasons. I don't know. He said, there was no explanation. This isn't transparent. This This isn't helpful. And he said, it's also important accountability that we should be able to, for example, in the financial field, spend money. What do we spend it on? How do we spend it? And he said, well, I express my concerns in four emails since March 2022. I sent to the leadership of the commission. I got no response to any of my 
emails. None. He said, I, I could not see myself really accepting a situation where we don't get answers to questions. And so he said, on the 21st of November, I asked for an audience with Pope Francis. I got it on the 12th of January. And I went and talked with him and I explained my problems with the commission and I wanted to resign from the commission. He said the Pope listened, he accepted, and he said Cardinal Parolin wrote a letter on the 14th of March saying that the Pope accepted his uh, resignation, but he got the letter on the end of March. So he found this really not helpful. So what is Father Zollner's hope for the commission now that he has resigned? He hopes that they will address the concerns that he, and he says, other members of the commission also have, will be openly addressed. He said, I could have not resigned. I could have continued in the commission with these problems being discussed but not addressed within the commission. I saw there didn't seem to be a path to addressing them. And for this reason, he went public. It, it's clear that he felt that something had to be shaken up, that the commission as it is now is really navigating in a fog. He doesn't say that, but this is my words. And that there are many fundamental issues that need to be addressed to enable the members of the commission to work well. He says, I want this commission to work well, but to do it, it has to go through some renewal, over, overhaul, whatever you wish. But Father Zolna hasn't abandoned the fight against sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. He is still the director of this Institute of Anthropology Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, which is a very long way of saying he is leading an institute that is focused on these issues within the Pontifical Gregorian University. And also, he is leading the fight for the Diocese of Rome. He is now its leading safeguarding advisor there. Father Zollner is committed to this cause because he sees it as essential to the credibility of the church and its evangelizing mission. He's got a big role in, as head of this institute because they are training people who will go back to the diocese in different countries and know how to approach the whole abuse question. It's a very big operation. And he's getting invitations all over the world. He has been to so many countries. And within the Diocese of Rome, what does that role entail? Italy has been behind many other countries in facing the abuse question, even recognizing that it's a problem in the country. And uh, he now, since the Diocese of Rome is the Pope's own diocese, the Pope is the Bishop of Rome, and the Pope has appointed him to the Diocese of Rome, it's to give a push. And this, of course, we, the idea is that it will have a, a knock-on effect on the other diocese in Italy, since Rome is the primary diocese. It is said that the problems could not be resolved within the commission, that they have to come into the public domain for a, to be a, enable them to be more fully addressed. But sometimes the media needs to shed light on these things. And I think that gives the opportunity for this to come out in the open without a cloud of suspicion over it. So thank you, Jerry. We'll be back again, I'm sure, next week. And until then. Thanks, Ricardo. I'm sure we're going to have a to return to this subject several times in the coming weeks.
Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. It is produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Audio engineering is by Kevin Christopher Robles. And we have production assistance from Kevin Jackson and Christopher Spielman. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. The show is recorded in the William J. Loeschert Studio at America Media in New York. To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at RickDSSJ, that's R I C D S S J, and Jerry at Jerry O Rome, that's G E R R Y O R O M E. Please also consider becoming a digital subscriber to America. Click on the link in the show notes. And if you have a little time to spare, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Ricardo De Silva. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.